0: this is idiot mystic and i'm with david marsh hi david
1: dude it's so good to be here i'm uh, i'm glad for your podcast cuz there's a bunch of us trying to figure out what the fuck is going on around here and it's people like you that help us figure this out so thanks for doing your thing
0: Ooh, i feel i feel confused almost at you saying thank you because i was going to say I was gonna say something similar about what you're doing but i don't know how to introduce my audience to what you're doing or the people who listen because it it's you could just say oh this this person makes film but it seems like something else is going on with you
1: yeah it's it's the quest for what's this whole thing about i was given a religious narrative and they said, this is the only truth. Everything else is wrong. And so I lived in that religious narrative for my whole life till I was 45 years old. And then I'm like, something's up. We got to figure out what's really going on here. And so that's kind of the quest I'm on. Uh, maybe I'm using the medium of film or podcasts or whatever, but it's really the quest to, to try to figure out, well, what's this really all about? And so that's, that's the journey. What's going and,
0: on And And since you said... 40 what was the quest prior to that point like to that point till that point
1: well i grew up in the northwest um the state of idaho and everybody there looks the same they all think the same uh it's it's really a a mindset of we've got to survive we go to work uh you get you grow up if you if you can you get a college degree so you can get a good job and that's the whole mindset is just get a job and pay bills and then everybody goes to church and you go to church so that uh, you can be safe in this universe because apparently it's not a safe universe it's an unsafe universe and i was given that narrative that i'm not good enough and i had to do something and that christian narrative is jesus saves you from your sins because you're unworthy and so now whole time of growing up being initiated into this mindset i thought well now that i have said dear jesus come into my heart and save me i'm gonna be fine but man everybody else they're gonna go to hell so now i gotta spend my life trying to keep people from going to hell <laughs> and so yeah so no
0: it so when you that was the way you said it i feel like is really good because some people are maybe participating in that and even i myself have two it uh across a spectrum of uh subjects like i could be telling everyone to start a specific workout i could be telling people that they need to meditate for seven minutes a day it could be anything but it's like once you something helps you there's some kind of human impulse to have to help those you love if you care about them
1: yeah yeah if you love people you don't want to see them burn in conscious eternal torment forever (laughs) Uh, I mean, looking back on it, it's, I'm like, wow, I, I, I believe the whole thing. I mean, I was a, you know, worship pastor at a church and I wrote music for kids. Uh, I produced two albums that I wrote all myself and had my kids sing. And I mean, I I was all in, I I really wanted to save the world because the world was broken and going to hell. And I wanted to make sure that it got saved. So that was, that was my impetus for everything.
0: And, so I guess now I feel like obviously you're distancing yourself from this the this saving thing, but at the same time, the world you're describing does sound like it needs some kind of help in some way.
1: So that's the funny part about fast forward David a decade later. And I still have the idea that I want to save the world, but this time I'm not saving them from a place to go. I'm saving them from the mindset that they can live in this own hell that they've created. Like, oh, I've got to do this or I'm not going to be right or I got to vote this party because we got to save them from the other party or, you know, whatever the narrative is. You know, we've got to fight these people and get our land. Now I kind of want to save people from it's it's still, I want to save people, but it's from the narrative that you're a victim because you're not a fucking victim. You came here, you chose this life. And that's part of the journey of all the things I'm doing. (laughs) Okay.
0: There's, I feel like we should cover. So when you were 40, did something happen to make you have this worldview shift or this like,
1: yeah. I was listening to a podcast and a guy named rob bell came on and he said what if heaven and hell were states of consciousness rather than destinations and I went, oh never heard that before it's a pretty buddhist thing to say and um so i was like well what happens when you die so i google searched what happens when you die and i found out there's a thing called a near-death experience and i didn't know about that the only thing i knew is some pastor somewhere had told me that you know, when you go to the other side and and you see uh, people coming to get you, it could be demons, so be careful. Make sure you're saved. And I'm like, wow, you can't even get away from fear after you die. So, so uh, yeah, I just started studying about near death experiences, and tons of people, millions of people, have had this experience with consciousness. They're okay, uh, nothing bad's gonna happen to them. So I started to go, well, what else is out there? And I read a book called Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. And he said something I'd never heard in my whole life. He's like, we are all one. We're all creating this. I'm like, wait, what? What does that mean? No, I'm a created being that some uh, divine made and I have to try to worship this divine to appease it. You know, that was the, the narrative I was given. So it was like, wait, there, there's more out there then I had a friend say you should come with me to an ayahuasca ceremony and I went oh okay super afraid so I did an ayahuasca ceremony and I had my own personal experiences with consciousness I'm like okay this is starting to make sense and uh that we'll come back to ayahuasca in a second because that's fascinating but the last piece of this puzzle was getting a hold of Dr. Michael Newton's book Journey of Souls and when I read that I went okay Here's a guy that did hypnotherapy for a whole bunch of years. He had 7,000 case studies. They all said the same thing. I'm a spiritual being. I chose my life, and I'm here for a reason and a purpose. And from that, I began to put together a narrative of like, okay, I'm safe. It's not an unsafe universe. It's a safe universe. And once you get to that point, everything else is fine. So that's the the, the mountaintops.
0: (laughs) I feel like this is like, it's, it's interesting because you said that the age that you, the way you described, like having these realizations is almost, you made it sound very ordinary. Like you were just like flipping through pages, listening to a podcast. Was your, how are you feeling at the time? Like, was everything pretty good and you just happened to fall across this information or were you having some kind of other thoughts that then led to you seeking out this type of dialogue?
1: Yeah. When, when you're on a spiritual journey, you're always kind of trying to figure out, well, what's the purpose for this? You know, if, if there's, if there's a divine somewhere else, you know, why is this thing happening? Uh, I, I started a coffee shop in Phoenix, Arizona and, um, I couldn't get enough traffic and I was going to have to go bankrupt and I was doing everything I could. And I was, boy, I just, I was bummed out. Uh, I had, uh, I, I just was oh boy, this isn't gonna work. Um, and so I would listen to podcasts while I, you know I would drive around, and you know I was already looking for what what is this all about? What you know I thought it was the Lord's will to do something, and it didn't work out right. So I had uh, three best friends, and they had all passed away at, at, over the last six or seven years, and um, you know we'd all prayed for them, and they passed away. So why do why do you do the recipe? if you do this, then this thing, this good thing will happen, but yet it's still a bad thing happens. So I was like, there's got to be something better than this. And then when I heard that on that podcast, I'm like, okay, this is the first time something actually makes sense. You know, I, I'm creating that uh, suffering in my mind. Well, how can I get out of that? And so, you know, you, I think when you s- say, what is my purpose, that's the beginning of a spiritual journey. And then I think people that are out there making things they create portals for other people to step into to transform whether it's a podcast or a book or you know a movie or something
0: so i i feel like this is really good since you said those four like four mediums that are pretty popular right now um let's say what if someone is thinking like is there does every human have this ability to create and are they supposed to make something outside of those four mediums? Like does cooking a great dinner every night that you really like put yourself into, is that the same as this type of creation? Or are you saying that there's like, there's artistic creation outside of everyday life that is within every human?
1: Well, I think every, Everyone's a creator at some level. Some of us are supposed to have these 3D lives where we were born, we pay bills, and we die, and we need to have that experience through our soul journey. Other people have done that a bunch of times, and they're now uh, a volunteer on this planet that has come here to try to awaken people, and maybe they produce some sort of a a work of art that creates questions and helps inspire answers for other people. So I I think, you know, to answer your question, I, I think... Everything is creativity. It's just at what level are you able to influence others? Is it just merely to have your own experience, which is completely valid? Or is it here to help enact change in the world?
0: And just just adding, your camera went blank, but I can still hear you.
1: Yeah, okay. Weirdly, yours did too. So I don't know. what uh, yours, yours went blank, so it might have been a system-wide because it, it did it again. Creepy. Yeah. How about now? Uh, it looks good now. I don't know what to tell you.
0: <laughs> okay. I can't see you, but let's... I guess let me switch to a different switch off Wi-Fi and see maybe that helps. Could you try pressing video off and on again? Who knows? Okay. Sorry about that.
1: Start video, start video. So I, I can see my thumbnail of me. Yours is just okay. a dark screen with your name on it.
0: I'm guessing. they're not Oh, listening. you're
1: back. Sweet. Cool. The
0: the 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 powers that be interfered.
1: <laughs> the, the Zoom Illuminati. I guess that'd be Illuminati, wouldn't it?
0: That I feel like there are people who believe that is a specific thing. Like that Zoom must have like some kind of extreme covert monitoring group yeah I mean it's not out of the realm of possibility is it <laughs> but okay so you were so when you I, I I see what you're saying with the different levels of our creativity influencing others so I guess in this it sounds like you're you have the same perspective I do or a similar one that all journeys are equally worthy and valid but I guess it seems like the the purely three-dimensional journey, for lack of a better word, or a life where you don't wonder why am I here, it seems like those ones tend to end in kind of painful circumstances, whether it's emotional or otherwise, it seems like those people don't really get a chance to be who they were could have been, kind of.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty heavy energy planet, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of fear on this planet, and a lot of people live in that fear, you know, m- media monetizes us off, off of outrage and fear, and a lot of people just, that's all they know, is they're like, oh, i got to survive, uh, I've got to climb the ladder of the corporation, I've got to try to do this, i got to, you know, get a bigger house, but whatever the thing is, i got to get my kid into the best school, there's a lot of fear-based things, um, and I think if you can get out of that, and you look at this whole thing, realizing, yeah, oh, this is just a big giant game um what would happen if i just viewed myself as the observer of this game and rather than got so freaked out and immersed in the game
0: i can still hear you by the way i'm just trying to fix my charger sorry got it okay where i'm this is one of those those technical difficulties days but purely because my phone keeps insisting that there's liquid in the charger but um (laughs)
1: You got to quit licking your phone, man.
0: <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> it's the uh, I never thought anyone would expose me like this.
1: I'm sorry, that's had a very loving thing to do. <laughs>
0: it's, it's, it's funny that when we started talking about what's going on here, like in in the beginning, it sounded like we were talking about politics, maybe or like. <clears throat> something very worldly like uh rooted in the thoughts of men or humans and then later it sounded like you were talking about something extra physical or disembodied so is there would you say that like where we seem to be kind of lucid right now no one seems particularly uh disinhibited so is there is this non-physical component like things like past life regressions or souls are these things that we have to talk about while we're talking about things like politics and abortions and insurrections like does that do both things interfere uh, connect to each other or do you think they're like somehow separated
1: i think that there are many different levels of this dimension that we're in and you get to play it in different levels some people are really into politics you know uh i've I've got both sides of the conspiracy friends they're you know uh trump is going to save us the other people are like trump is going to kill us uh you know biden's the savior biden's going to kill us no matter what side you're on it's they, they just love that political game it's not a game i enjoy playing i don't feel like i have any influence over any of those areas so I kind of try to stay out of that. Um, does that mean that you have to separate church and state? Well, I do think that we're an all well-rounded spiritual being and you are all, all things of this, but you're here to play your one character. Well, my character happens to like truth and uh, the truth that I think people need to know, which is you're not a victim and you're able to be a creator in your own reality. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect, doesn't mean you're going to get what you want, but it means that you get to take ownership of the decision-making, you take take ownership of your mind. Uh, if you're going to sit in a place of meditation, you get to choose which thoughts you maintain in your, your frame of, of your space. And so I'm thinking that if we're going to play these various levels of games, you get to be a participant rather than a victim of it I think that's really important so but some people still they have to be like well we need policy there's a lot of people in this one particular state or this country and we need to have governance over it so there are things that have to be done we need to have sanitation we need to have clean air and clean water and so all of those things in a municipality are important so I'm certainly not saying that it's not important I, I need to eat food every day I, I like to shower indoors so there's things about being a human I, I need to participate in i can't just disconnect uh, I, I i don't want to be one of those people that all i do is like oh i gotta survive and get money so i don't want to go on that side of the pendulum but on the other side of the pendulum i don't want to be one of these spiritual people to go oh it's just a game nothing matters and then you know why should i worry about anything well we're here to play it, it's it's like if you and me go out and play tennis and I hit the ball across the net as hard as I can. And you just go, oh, I don't really care. I'm like, come on, man. It's, I don't want to destroy you, but I want to play against you. I want you to provide some back and forth. And it's way more fun. And I, I, so I think we're supposed to play our characters as hard as we can. Uh, and you know that, that comes into the level of um, self-love where we get down on ourselves like, oh, man, I didn't do that right. Oh, I messed that up. Well, maybe be kind and gentle to yourself and go, hey, this character, it's only on level 13. And, you know, there's 55 more levels ahead of you. So just relax. You'll get to level 14 and then you'll get to level 15. So I, I think, you know, part of that journey is is to give yourself the opportunity to learn and grow as you play these these characters that we are.
0: And I think that's that's a really good way to describe, like, let's say we're talking about us right now. If we apply this to like, let's say, policymakers, politicians, someone could say CEOs, oligarchs, whatever type of word you want to use for people whose single decision seems to carry more influence than yours or mine right now. Yeah. Do you think those people have asked themselves, why am I here yet? Or are they thinking from a purely like three dimensional like this is their nine to five and they have to grind?
1: Yeah, I I think. Uh, I, well, there's probably two sides of that coin. There's probably the the side that knows exactly what's going on here, and they're like, ha ha ha, I'm gonna stay in a, con- a power and control. But there's probably most people that are just like, nope, I'm here to serve myself. You know, I, I think a lot of people think that politicians are self-serving, and let's let's how can we remain in power you know, and find policy that lo- allows us to do that. Um, but but I do think that there's a a level of um playing the game where y- y- you need you need to kind of buy all in um and so if if that means a politician has to you know be as 3d and uh you know then whatever the public narrative is you know maybe that's that's part of what they need to do uh, i do like what graham hancock says he says uh, everybody every politician should have to do ayahuasca at least five times before you're allowed to be in office because <laughs> then you hmm. realize oh wait oh, I'm connected to everything. Oh, I shouldn't try to hurt other people. It, it does make a big difference, I think.
0: Um, and I guess the, that's a, I wonder this a lot because of, uh, also I'm going to add this. I was think I'm going to plug my phone in, but I have to go under the bed to plug it in. And I was going to just take a break normally and plug it in. But now I feel like I should film me going under the bed so you can everyone can see how much i struggle to do things um but i guess the reason i asked that question about the perspective of our policymakers because the i guess let's look at it as a stage the stage that you're on and you're telling people about things that could help them that stage is seemingly built and governed by people who think about things differently. And what I mean by that is lately, some subjects that have been coming up, like let's say um, unspecified foreign conflict, or um, we'll say like the UAP stuff that keeps coming up and senators keep talking about it and it's on legislation and there's like the inspector general is involved. And then also these same policymakers are talking about the wombs of the women of America, and if they're allowed to, how they're supposed to deal with it. So it seems like the person we're describing, a single person, shouldn't be thinking about all these issues and be some kind of authority on those issues. It seems almost bizarre. Like someone can say, oh, yeah, non human intelligence, also taxes, also abortion, also insurrection. It's too many varying subjects for a 79 year old or I guess the age doesn't matter, but I feel like in this case, I was trying to say that they're seemingly aged past the their interest in these subjects, yet keep fighting viciously for certain results. And I don't understand what's driving that like passion.
1: Yeah, there there's a, a consensus narrative that, you know, we're all here and we have to get through life so we can retire at some point. And I think that's a very common thing that everybody is trying to to figure out in life. I'm way more interested in the why you're here. Why are you in office? What was your plan? Did did you you know? Is that some sort of a spiritual pre birth planning where you figured you were going to be able to uh, enact change in the world? Did you do it because you wanted to help people, or once you got in office, did you realize, oh, I got a lot of power. I can do a lot of crazy stuff. And you know, what is is it just now? Uh, I, I want to make policies that keep me in power. I don't know how that helps people. Um, that The whole thing about power and control, I just don't understand. The longer I'm alive, the less I understand how one human being can control another one. You know, it, it's, it's if, if we all came from some sort of a primate am- ancestor, uh, it, it's like somebody, you know, one monkey can tell another monkey, no, you can't have that coconut or you can't go on that part of the country or that part of the jungle and you can't ingest this psychedelic so you can have an internal experience you can't uh you know drive down the road without having a a safety helmet on to protect you in case so i'm gonna mandate or 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 into the personal body you know if if you uh choose to Uh, have sex with somebody and you get pregnant and you want to terminate that pregnancy you can't I'm going to control you You can't I just I don't understand why one person tells another person they can't or can't do something and
0: so when you say this like there are a few other guests on the podcast who when they say something like this I get kind of like I get a bit surprised and they ask me why and it's because like I can like I was born here, but I was raised in Pakistan, and my opinions are kind of from an outside perspective because I didn't grow up here. And then sometimes when I hear things, like when when I say, like, it confuses me why random old men tell women what to do with their, like, internal body. It just is confusing. But some people say, well, that's what a government does. But then you, as an American internally also feel like this is like a weird level of involvement. So I guess I'm wondering where did this, like, do you think there was a time where any government hasn't been overly involved? Like, is there an example on earth yeah, I mean, government like that? We're
1: probably in the best time ever for, you know, people controlling other people. It used to be everybody was a slave to the king and with well, that narrative. I think when you have a spiritual awakening, you realize, oh, oh, I'm a spiritual being. And if you have a modality, whether it's meditation or ayahuasca or you know some psilocybin or something that allows you to have a physical experience, you're like, why should I not be able to have that experience? And it starts to confuse you when you realize this is all just a shell game and all these people are just, they're just trying to figure out what life is all about either. And, and I'm certainly not trying to say that we shouldn't have any form of governance. There has to be some policy. If we all drove the wrong way on the road and killed everybody, that certainly wouldn't help. So we have to have some policies, but there are things that certainly need to be looked at. And as you have your spiritual awakening, you're like, wait, why can't I have an ayahuasca ceremony held by a shaman that allows me to have a deep introspective search? Why would somebody make that a illegal activity? Um, So I think there's a lot of activities that need to be looked at. And why can we not as a collective come up with better solutions than just to say, no, you can't. And if you do, you go to jail, whatever that experience is, whether it's an abortion or it's a plant medicine or or some activity that helps benefit yourself.
0: Do do you think that um, I guess it's interesting because the things you said that like would. If they were allowed, you could say that more people would have spiritual awakenings or however someone wants to phrase that. If too many people have this awakening, then wouldn't the existing like system of capitalism kind of collapse almost?
1: Well, I, I like the system of reward. You know, if you put out a lot of effort, you're rewarded for it. Um, I'm probably not the expert to talk about politics and economics. Um, but I, I do think that in this multiverse and this dimensionality of whatever that's going on with the extraterrestrials, I do think that they figured out, oh, we're all part of the spiritual oneness and somehow other entities, other dimensional beings have figured this stuff out why can't we figure this out if we're merely the grand experiment of the universe as these bipedal hominids can they learn to have unity is that part of this great experiment can they learn to come together i think that's what's really kind of going on here
0: could you elaborate on that do you mean because i i find that very interesting what you just said do you mean that the the NHI are wondering that about us or that are like uh government or various agencies are like trying to explore consciousness for their own like to do something with that
1: that's that's certainly something that's out there you know government trying to explore consciousness so they can uh you know create another form of militarized control um i'm going to a, a different level uh we all know people that will do channeling and and they you know, have they changed their voice and they change their appearance and they seem to get information from another source. And um, whether or not you are a skeptic of that, I do wonder if there is another space and another time and another dimension of beings that we can tap into. And they've already figured out we're all one. And instead of fighting each other, they've decided to work together for some sort of a collaboration of creativity and joy. Um, I'd like to think that the universe has joy at the end of it instead of pain and suffering.
0: (laughs) No, that's really interesting. So I guess with channeling in this case, when we're like, I talk about this all the time to different people, so I'm happy to rant about it or talk about it. But in this case, do you mean that there could be like almost like some channeling, of course, is like people like channeling a loved one or something. But then in this other case of like, extra uh, disembodied intelligence is kind of taking over a human for a bit is that kind of like a like a trade almost like the human is like i have a body but i don't have this knowledge so you can come in here for a second and share this is it like something like that or is it more
1: my personal experience is i have seen that active in my own life while i'm in a hypnotherapy session and i haven't had i have had one experience uh i felt like i was channeling uh and it was uh, while i was having a psilocybin ceremony one time and i did channel information uh and uh i i do think you can tap into another dimension i think there is a place where creativity comes from a lot of people that write songs and books and movies they're like yeah i didn't really write this it just kind of came through me so that's a common theme I do think that there is some sort of information that can be tapped into. The channelers that I've heard, whether it's in person, on videos on YouTube or whatever, they're generally a positive message. It's generally somebody saying something good about, you know, resonance and vibration, and take care of the earth and don't be mean to each other. So I don't really think that there's uh, a nefarious motive there. But I, I think that I think there's a lot more of things out there, you know, that the old adage of you couldn't see the radio waves and without, you can't see them, but you wouldn't know they're there without the tuner. I think that's, there's some frequency level of spirituality that we can tune into, and it does make a difference. And, you know, that ayahuasca and hypnotherapy changed my life, but I didn't really want to write or didn't really want to produce a series about ayahuasca because of legalities. So I thought, well, let's do something about hypnotherapy. And that's that deep internal meditative state where people get into and you do actually channel and the answers are within and you get into that space where you're like, oh, I had this question I wrote down, I gave to the facilitator and here I am answering my own question. So I do think there is a way to get information from some other dimensional source.
0: I'm, I'm kind of too excited right now. So again, if I say anything weird, I apologize. Um, in this moment, I feel like there are, like, we can either, we can, I can keep coasting and we're having a very, like, it's a gradual progression, but I feel like since we're talking about channeling and I like, I've noticed, I tend, I have a lot of contemporaries who are meditation teachers and channelers and they're pretty public and prolific and uh, traditionally successful in the commercial sense and i've noticed that the way that their business model would work is if is under the pretense that everyone can't channel and i've definitely so the way you're saying it definitely like i appreciate the angle you're coming at it from and i guess even in this moment right now, if what you and I believe is true, and someone was leading reading between the lines, then even us thinking right now is not really us thinking there's something weird going on. That I don't really, like, I wouldn't ask you to suddenly channel, but I guess I since this is also supposed to like, capture your story in the chronological time that we catch you at how do you feel right now after talking about all that stuff did it come from your like a biological storage in your brain do you think or are you like like what does it feel like i don't know, I know it's very micro or meta i guess maybe I even think we're,
1: i think we're sponges and i think we suck in a lot of information things we read youtube videos podcasts we listen to and you know, I, I'm, I'm active in culture. I want to hear things. I want to learn things. I'm an active seeker. And so I think this is a culmination of a lot of things that people have said, whether I've ingested it through whatever medium form. And I think it creates a synthesis in us. And I've got a unique way that I'm going to bring forth something very much the same as you've got a unique way you're going to bring forth something. And the less we try to be like other people. And the more we try to be like ourselves, the better we're gonna be able to uh, resonate and and help other people. And, you know, I don't wanna be a parrot for someone else, but at the same time, if someone's got a really good idea and they're like, hey, uh, I, I found that if you go over here and instead of going to the right, you go to the left, there's a, you know, there's something really good there. It's a orange tree and you can get oranges. Oh, great. Well, I don't have a problem you know, doing something that someone else did. Uh, but, you know, I, I, th- I think information is just a synthesis of all the experiences that we've gone through. And, and somehow in this collective, we're all moving towards the same direction. Ultimately,
0: I th- I think it's wonderful how you said be yourself, and not someone else. But I guess that's a very interesting point. Because I feel like sometimes today, like my son is 12. And I feel like i I want to say I was going to be funny. I was going to say, I feel like you have a bunch of kids, but I, I, (laughs) I didn't want to say that because I don't know, but I only have the one, but I guess, I guess as from father to father, I guess it's like, I'm wondering if, if this information that people like, I guess it seems like society values conformity. Like in a true, almost earnest sense, like the modern setup of society, if someone can really put aside all their personal stuff, personal stuff, and just work really hard and be super successful, people will actually praise them, like be like, oh, wow, you're like, your whole like, this is someone I know, like your whole family died and you stayed in college. Wow. And you work. That's amazing. That's how is that? to me, I was feeling horrible for my friend. I was like, you should you should be able to just stay at home and cry for 10 years if you want. Like, this is too much. Like, and then, so I guess I'm wondering where you think, like your viewpoint, where is it taught? Where is it, where are kids taught it's better to be yourself than be like everyone else and be approved of?
1: Well, that's, that's, uh, that's a tough one because I I think we're kind of raised in a society where you get praised for performance. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I think you should get rewarded for things if you, for your effort. And I think you get praised for your effort. Oh, good for you. You have a podcast, you're helping people. Good for you. Oh, that makes me feel good. I'm helping people, you know, versus like, you know i had a podcast i did for a few years and i haven't done much of it lately oh shame on you you're not helping people oh you know <laughs> so yeah. like, it's it's what's it what's it matter uh, ultimately i think the older you get the more you realize we should just do the things that we need to do to keep our mental health positive because when you're trying to play someone else's game you know if you're a basketball player and you're trying to play football it doesn't work you should play the game you want to play and uh, you know, what, what if you don't want to play sports? What if you just want to go camping? Well, that's my thing. Okay, great. Then specialize in that. I think you should be able to find an authenticity in yourself. And we're not given a narrative of authenticity, especially in a religious structure. And I was taught you could not trust your feelings. In fact, your feelings are how the devil tricks you. So I was never taught to tap into an intuition. And part of my rewiring over the past decade has been to learn to be sensitive to be authentic to who i am and and to be comfortable being david david's you know different than other people well you know why and then again if you can look at that as a detached witness perspective you can learn about yourself and there are all these different modalities that are available whether it's uh, the gene keys or human design or astrology or any other numerology type of things, you can find out a little bit about your hardwiring. Who am I? Why am I here? And then it really reinforces the fact that, oh, you have a specific residence that if you don't do it, no one else will. And, you know, a, a great teacher of mine is Casey Miller at SWEHA Southwest Institute of Healing Arts. And she was the first one that ever told me, she said, the universe will be incomplete if you're not in it. So do your best to be who you are. And I was like, wow. And that, you know, she, she did yoga teacher training and I joined her yoga teacher training class and I I learned so much. And that was part of my understanding, you know, what, what are all, how do I assimilate all of these different ideas into what works for me? And, and I think it's just the holistic way that every experience you have informs your present.
0: I, I feel like I've been like hammering with questions. So Here's another one. But if someone was wondering, like, because I've noticed this a lot, finally, I've actually like, noticed that people are triggered sometimes by we're talking about spirituality, we have the privilege of sitting, I'm reclining on bed. Uh, It's kind of easy for us to talk about this right now. But I guess, do you feel like if someone is, I guess, have you been in a state that's like significantly altered to this level of comfort with yourself? Or have you always been this kind of chill, I guess?
1: Well, um, I've never considered myself a chill person. I'm pretty intense. Uh, But, you know, what? with the Christian narrative you weren't good enough and so you always had to try to do better whether it was your get up in the morning and and read read the Bible and do devotions uh, make sure you're attending church if you get a chance to proselytize you you always kind of have to make sure that you're doing something to help other people and as I've deconstructed from that I realized oh the most important thing I can do is just be who I am and the most important thing I can do is learn to enjoy the ride. And that was the message I got on my first ayahuasca ceremony. I think after that, I kind of mellowed out with trying to be good enough, trying to be good enough. Got to be the good boy. got to do the right stuff. I got to do the right thing. And I still have that narrative. I still like to, you know, help people out and open the door for somebody. You know, I, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of deconstruction that has to happen after you've given a, been given a certain narrative. Um, but I, I think the more you can take this linear timeline through age, you kind of start to to be a little bit more comfortable with who you are. You know, at 54, I can look back and see a lot of things that I could have done differently now. I choose not to live in regret because that doesn't really serve me. But how can I inform my going forward with where I've been in the past? And that's what I'm trying to do.
0: So if, I, I guess what would you say? And obviously i don't know if this person exists but if someone is thinking like like that their their trauma or the things that loss lost anything really has put them in a state where they can't really get to the place where We are right now, which is not a great place. We're just talking on a podcast, which seems like everyone and their uncle and brother and cousin has a podcast. And then that podcast has spinoffs and a sideshow. So yeah, not saying this is a great place, but I'm just saying. We're able to speak and I'm happy to hear your story. And I, I guess I'm wondering if other people are wondering why is there a way to work out from a place of extreme tension and closed-offness to a place where you're discussing things that we are encouraged not to talk about to other people? Like, where would be a place to start coming out of that to get closer to this dialogue?
1: Well, I think the first thing is curiosity. And when you are told something and you're given certainty, you know, the opposite of that is, it's too scary. No, no. I I was told certainty. If I do this recipe, then this is how I'll bake the cake. And, um, you know, what, what if you weren't trying to bake a cake? What if it was something different? So I was told that there is, there's a certain way to do things. And so now I'm like, wait, what if there's a different way to do things? I, I guess curiosity and opening the door for, well, what if, what if there was a different way to do something? And when I had the first idea that maybe there wasn't an actual destination of a hell that people would go to, well, what if that was just an earth mythology? What if somebody just made that up? I I was told that the Bible said it's true, so it's true. Well, what if that's not exactly what it was meant? What if it meant something different? So I began to study a bunch of books written by Christians that were questioning these things about the, the certain dictated things that people said this this way it's that way when they begin to say well what if it's not that way and it begins to open the door and then you get to have a new experience and one of the ayahuasca ceremonies that I had sat in I saw myself in a box and I elbowed a side of the box and the box was made out of cinder block bricks and I moved one of the bricks and in flooded light and I was like whoa there's light out there and so I moved I was sitting uh Kind of uh, cross-legged style so i st- stuck one of my legs out and i kicked out another block in front of me and then some more light came in and so i started hitting the blocks and the light started streaming in until i broke out of this box and i realized oh and i go i was in a box of my own beliefs and once i started kicking those out i could let the light flood in and i had to deconstruct from my beliefs so i had a family member and i was trying to share this with my family member And I'm like, yeah, what our beliefs, they're, they're like keeping us in this dark little, little house. And the family member was like, no, I like to be in my little house. I don't want to be scared out there. The world's too big. I'm just going to stay in my little house. So, you know, some people, I don't know, maybe they're not ready to kick out the blocks. And so it's hard for me to be compassionate about that type of person, but some people need to have a time where they're in their little belief system. I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. This is my, maybe that's just a soul journey they need to have. And it's hard for me to accept that because I did not like being in that. Uh, basically I felt like I was a prisoner in that belief system.
0: I I'm so, I'm really intrigued to know what you think about, this upcoming year in America. Like, because I feel like I've never asked this many people for prophecy. I'm just walking around, just asking everyone to be Nostradamus. Like constantly, I do this all day now. Because people's predictions lately have been the wildest things I've ever heard in my whole life. Like I've never heard this type of, like people throwing stuff out there, I think. And then the next, thing they say is so outlandish that i question where our mental baseline has even gotten to i don't even know anymore like the craziest thing i heard this morning was that uh was the person he said he thinks texas is going to take biden off the ballot and i was like okay i'm just gonna go with it i don't know i'm just I'm open to anyone telling me anything about any crazy thing that's going on. But I guess, what do you think is coming up? And I'd say the few things that if you could touch on your intuitive feeling about them. Uh, AI, the upcoming elections, and um, I guess we can call it uh, foreign conflict.
1: Okay, so... In in the end of 2019, everybody was going into 2020 going, oh, this is going to be the year of the Great Awakening. We're all going to have magical wonderland tales of riches and glory. Everything's going to be the best. And all my spiritual woo friends were like, this is going to be the best year ever. And we locked down in May and it got really dark. I was in LA at the time working on a project. And um, I got to tell you, as dark as it was, I didn't. I didn't really live in that reality. I was like, I just, I, I just I'm not interested in this narrative. This COVID is going to kill everybody. It just, I wasn't interested in that. Uh, when I was in the army, I used to work in virology for the United States Army Medical Research Institute. And I knew that a coronavirus wasn't that big of a deal. And for me, I was like, it's probably going to be a cold. I don't know. I'm just not going to live into the fear. And I saw that it was just waves and waves and waves of fear, but I didn't live in that wave of fear. And I, I stayed in a place, I didn't have to worry about uh, having masks on unless I went to the grocery store, and I I just, I didn't live in that level of fear. I think predictive, the more people want to live in various levels of fear and control and outrage, I think that's what they're going to get, and if we collectively are going, oh, it's going to get worse, there's going to be wars, and we're going to have famines, and all the food is is glyphosate on everything and we're all gonna die and we're not gonna have human beings propagating i think we can get into the narrative and you know i don't know it and, oh, i don't know weird. who
0: the i don't know who the character is who you just played but he's amazing you should have a whole you, you should have a whole separate channel right. on youtube with that guy just just going off
1: <laughs> like, I'm ridiculous, just like the rest of us. I think we're all ridiculous. And I think when people try to tell you that they know the answers, I'm like, I think you're just saying that either you're either you believe that from a narcissistic point of view. But I grew up in the uh, the, the Christian and <laughs> I grew up in Christianity in the 80s, where every couple of years they were predicting Jesus was going to come back and it got time for me to go to college in 1988. My parents said, yeah, we didn't save any money for you because we thought Jesus was coming back and there was a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come Back in 1988. And they were wrong every time. And in the 90s, there were these cults and they'd go out and sit on a hill wait for Jesus to come back in a spaceship and they were wrong. Y2K, 1999 going into 2000, everything's going to crash and they were wrong. Always, everyone, the narrative, it's bad, bad is going to happen, bad is going to happen. It never happens like that. Now, I'm not saying we're in a great space. There's a lot of problems in the world that certainly we need to work on but i don't think it's going to be as bad as everybody says even through covid covid there are people that passed away and i have personal friends um but as a general rule things move forward progress moves forward i think we're all going to move forward yeah ai scares me yeah biden scares me yeah trump scares me yeah all you know political parties on both sides scare me they do i think it's all about power and control but i don't live in those vibrations i live in like well what do i want to make i want to make something you know let's let's make a conversation let's 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 make a show let's i don't know let's go make a documentary about stand up comedy let's go do something cool that's where i want to live
0: and i feel like you're i honestly the podcast is just me like i i noticed that through connecting with people just anywhere positive people are a specific type of person then there are people whose positivity has a direction and then there are people whose positivity has seemingly a cause that's even higher than direction and i feel like when you're describing like let's make a documentary let's make this i feel like it's not just like you're not telling people let's have fun you're not distra- You're not telling someone, "Hey, something's important to you. Don't stress out. Let's let's go. Let's smoke this joint real quick, and then it's gonna be okay." You're try- I guess I'm wondering for people who want to remove themselves from this vibration, but also some of them feel oppressed or wronged, or like, um, and I feel like this is good because we're. It's not live so if you want me to remove this later we can this bit but the last person i talked to was like really passionate about the the january 6th thing in that he didn't like how it was portrayed as an insurrection and i i said okay explain this to me why wasn't it that and he said well none of them had guns and i said "Mm, interesting point because i've lived i grew up in pakistan There have been coups while I was like going to school, we would see a tank on the street. So that looked a bit more like a takeover. So immediately my brain, this just happened like 12 hours ago. And I was like, wait a minute, why have I been, I just agree with everything because I don't want to rock the boat publicly. I've been rocking the boat privately. Like groups of 10, I'll go crazy. Groups of 30, I'm really quiet. I'm like, hey, this is is too much. I don't know who these people are. Maybe someone works for someone. I don't know. I don't want to say anything crazy. So I guess, and there's even some news items that are breaking this week that I don't know if you're comfortable talking about them. But I would like to get your take on why in a place where I'm supposed to be able to say, anything i want that isn't outwardly hateful um or like a crime to say i'm i'm hesitant i'm even scared to like ask you questions about curiosity and you've like made me feel extra curious and excited about exploring but then i'm like wait can we talk about that is that allowed have you encountered that or that whole thing this entire concept
1: I think we find a way to navigate through life. And for me, I avoid conflict because I just don't see the benefit in it for me getting into an argument with someone. I'm not going to convince them. They're not going to convince me. It's that left-right politics. So how do we navigate? Some people navigate by going, fuck you. I'm right. I'm going to kick everyone's ass. And I'm going to ride my Harley right through the you know, the presidential palace. And I'm going to show them that I'm right. And that's how they get through life. Other people like, mm-mm. No, I, I hate that person so bad, but I'm, I'm just going to smile. Oh, I hope you have a, a nice day. And I'm going to, when they're done, I'll talk about them, and go, oh, bless their little heart. And, you know, that's a, a way to put them down a little bit because I don't want to have, I just don't want to have conflict with people. And I think most of us are conflict avoidant. Some of us aren't. And the ones that aren't conflict avoidant, I don't know if it's just, they don't have the mental acuity to understand that there's different perspectives. I think when somebody thinks that they're completely right and there's no room to challenge their beliefs, that's a scary place to be. I mean, I, I like when I think that I'm completely right about one thing and then somebody else says, oh, that's because you believed this thing. I'm like, wait, what? Years yeah. ago, I went to a, a conference and this woman said, well, the reason you're saying that is because you're a cisgendered white male. And I was like, wait, what? What I am? I don't, I don't even know what that means. She goes, yeah, that's because you have white privilege and white male privilege. And I'm like, I do? I didn't even know that was a thing. Tell me more about that. So I had to learn a whole bunch of things. And this was somebody that was um, part of the LGBT community. And I, I, and I learned new information from that. I'm like, wow. So on my spiritual journey, here I think I'm this all-loving, all-inclusive individual. And I'm still realizing, well, there's other things that I need to learn on my soul journey. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's what. That's all I know. <laughs> you gotta and keep questioning.
0: I I have I have. This is a weird one. Um, I feel like I sh- So you mentioned you were in the military. Yes. And, without me, asking you if you've worked at Area Fifty One, which I won't. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything silly. I am going to ask you how you feel about let's say time travel was a thing and you were suddenly you were active duty right now um and some of your uh peers were reporting like bizarre things like sightings of like craft in the sky some of them are having like weird hallucinations seeing creatures some of them have shot at said creatures. Some of them have cancer from touching things. and and you're you have none of these experiences, but you're obviously right now you're you're like a a veteran. but in this time travel situation, you are deployed, and these people are telling you this. Would you automatically assume that these people are like going through some form of like, PTSD or trauma based like mental distress is that what you think this is and i'm asking you because you seem like it's i didn't even know you were former military so it's i like to i've been asking these questions lately because i've noticed that a lot of people like to talk about very crazy things and i always i'm okay with anyone saying anything yeah but lately i've been noticing that sometimes when people make a claim Instead of people questioning the claim, they question that person's actual mental health and their ability to do their job and their, their livelihood is threatened. So I guess, how, where, where, what do you feel about that stuff?
1: I, I think the, the old David uh, would have thought that, well, the religious David would have thought that that was demons. And you know if if something like that is affecting a person, it's it's demonic. And so, I don't even know that I'd have a space for that. Um, I literally heard a pastor one time saying that extraterrestrials that are coming to Earth are just demons trying to get into our dimension, and we had to pray pray them away. And so,
0: so, so now it's- it's, 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 wait, just to add to what yeah. you said, you're according to. U.S. government officials who are non-military, this has also been the viewpoint of Pentagon high-ups in, like, years 1940 to, like, the late 90s, that this was, like, biblical angels and demons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When that's just... Just wanted to throw that out there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's, that's an old narrative. That's an earth mythology that religion was propagated by. That's where I would have been, uh, you know, 20 years ago. Well, fast forward now, now I think that human beings were most likely put here through extraterrestrial integration. So, you know, now I'd be like, really? Tell me more. What did you see? What did it look like? I want to know about it. You know, I, I want to. Did you see a mantis creature hiding up in a tree? I want to know everything about it. <laughs>
0: um, Since since you're bringing up the creatures yeah. I, and people have been saying stories. And the stories are increasing in their frequency to the point that I it was I really would have loved to have just like a straight up UFO high strangeness podcast and talk about fun stuff and not talk about people's moms dying and horrible trauma. And like, after the podcast, have another six hour phone call with them. Like, this is always heavier than like, The fun stuff. But lately, I've been noticing that these weird stories are popping up more because when the government starts talking about something and then someone's like, wait, that happened to me too. And they start just blurting out these stories. I've now it's been like two years almost of doing this. And people have said all sorts of things about lights, creatures, voices, things that are happening when they're completely sober. So I guess do you think that what is the reason that this is popping up so much am i inviting it into my life or but i feel like i'm not really directing the narrative of cnn or fox news with my personal like questions so
1: that is a great question i don't know because i'm always like wondering i'm looking for the supernatural and I'm always curious by that. As a kid, I loved the idea of doing magic tricks and, you know, being able to have information that somebody else didn't have. And so I was always looking for, well, what if magic was real? You really could make something disappear. I've never had the, an, uh, an extraterrestrial experience. I've never had a near-death experience. I've never had any of that stuff. Um, you know, I've, I've had uh, wisdom that I've gotten through plant medicine that was out of that was different than me so i know that there's something else that i've been communicated with but i've never had any et interference
0: so so let's talk about the communication because i let's say i've i've like talked about psilocybin and other entheogens and using them but i only very recently like maybe six months ago seven months ago i had an experience where i was i was psilocybin and meditating and then usually i get distracted and that's been my quest for years is to meditate for multiple hours while on psilocybin which i can only get to like 40 minutes and then all hell breaks loose and i'm in the ground and the ground is in me and i don't know what's happening but this time i managed to just i was like finally i i got the the muscle memory down to like keep breathing and not get distracted by the pretty things and then um I heard something outside of myself and I was like oh finally that's crazy like that's definitely not coming from inside me weird and I could clearly tell that it wasn't from for once I was like oh this isn't me and otherwise every other time I've always chalked things up to like I see this is an aspect of me presenting itself this is something it's never like So I guess, how did you know that this thing wasn't just you really wanting it to be from outside you? What was your differentiator?
1: The first ayahuasca ceremony I ever did was in Sedona, Arizona. And the facilitator gave us the, it was about a shot glass full of what tastes like mud. And so you drink it and- I was hoping to have something happen. I was excited for this. I had never done any mind-altering drug. I was 47 years old. I I had never smoked cannabis. Uh, Drinking alcohol is the only thing I'd ever done to alter a state. And sat there for two and a half hours, and I just was like, come on, come on. I want to have this experience, and nothing happened. And I was getting angry, and I started having the idea, what if this guy was just tricking me to get my money, charge me to do this, and... So I was getting in a really dark space, and so he said, "Okay, we're going to do a second pour, take some more." And uh, he goes, "You know what?" He said, I, "You look like you're you're trying really hard. Why don't you just lay down and just let it come to you?" I'm like, "All right," you know, even though I was a little bit frustrated and skeptical, I just decided to lay down and let it come to me. So I laid down. And then I felt what was like I was in a domed room. And so then I sat back up, and I'm like, whoa. And I opened my eyes and looked up, and it started to fade away. But as soon as I closed my eyes, this domed room came back again. And at the top of the room, in red neon writing, it looked like a Budweiser sign. It said, enjoy the ride. And I had never heard that phrase, enjoy the ride, before Since then, it's a very common phrase I've seen in music and movies, but I had never heard that before. I'm like, enjoy the ride. What does that mean? And I hear this voice, this external feminine, ayahuasca is known as the madre, this external feminine voice says, David, that's what you're supposed to be doing here. You're supposed to enjoy the ride. And I go, yeah, but I'm not enjoying the ride. It's hard. And then immediately in blue, neon writing on the right side in Budweiser print, it said beliefs. I said, beliefs, what does that mean? And again, this feminine she voice says, David, your beliefs create your reality and it's keeping you from enjoying the ride.
0: we, We have to stop here to honor this experience properly. I'm gonna ask if you need to think, if you need to take deep breaths, could you describe more vividly what the, if someone's like, oh, like a dome, like Stephen King under the dome, like a glass dome, like a like, it felt like what? a
1: planetarium? Like I was in a planetarium. I could see a ceiling, but it was about thirty feet up, and it just felt like I was in this bubble. It felt like a bubble, and it wasn't scary. It was just it felt like I was in this, uh, space, this confined bubble space.
0: And when you say this feminine voice, if you had to, since you're a producer of sound and video, if you had to describe this to someone who's like trying to like make sense of what you're saying what did the voice sound like
1: uh it's a telepathic knowing but it has a feminine sound it's feminine feel to it uh it's it's not like i could say oh it sounds like meryl streep you know in that one movie (laughs) so it wasn't like that
0: okay okay let's say if you were to describe feeling a feminine feeling to someone what does what does a feminine feeling feel like Just dis- in terms of energetics compared to a masculine feeling uh
1: so, so i've heard the masculine voice when i did san pedro and that was very very much different uh so uh, let's feminine- oh,
0: go ahead. so let's let's that we don't even i guess instead of going into the detail of that explanation <laughs> why could you compare both voices or feelings
1: so the ayahuasca voice is very, uh, it's very flowy and moving and it wants to move. It's nurturing. It's motherly. It's loving. It's, it's like, all I love you. Like I accept you loving. Um, I went out in the desert and did San Pedro cactus mix. And it was like, hmm, be still and just observe. And it said, look at the cactus and it's alone and it just stands there. Just be silent. I was like, oh, that's a much different energy so that's all i can do is tell you it's an internal feel and that's that's how it feels and when i do an ayahuasca ceremony it feels very nurturing very motherly very loving
0: and so i guess in terms of you see finding the obviously it's abstract but finding the abstract utility of this modality what would you say like why would someone do the san pedro experience
1: uh, what sound like a good thing to do at a time <laughs> all, it, it was just somebody said hey if you've done the, the madre you should try doing the padre let's do san pedro it it, it was not a profound effect it was just a, a matter of just be still and quit being just
0: and still.
1: that's what i received
0: out of it but do you feel like it's some kind of like a? and i'm not you don't have to agree is it like a dyad of like like having like a mother and a father in some way, like was it? Do you think it was you helpful in any way to do the San Pedro, or do you think you could have done without it? In uh, terms of like, if someone else is considering it,
1: yeah, it's Sam. The what the experience, one experience I had in Arizona was something that if I never had that, I would have been fine. I did have it and formed my journey. I was grateful for it. It was more or less uh seventy five percent uneventful. We went for a hike near the Superstition Mountains out in the wilderness. It was beautiful. Um, And we just had this, I had this meditative presence of just being still. And that was the message I needed at the time.
0: And I guess there's, this is, again, it's like breaking the fourth wall occasionally or whatever, seventh wall. I don't know what (laughs) this is anymore, but I guess while you're talking to me right now, um, to get to know how your brain works a little better. The last person I was talking to, he had screens all around him. Mark pulls from the knocked conscious podcast. Now I'm plugging other people's podcasts on my podcast. I've like I'm breaking all the there's sure. I'm gonna advertise the wrong, the right things in the wrong way. It's gonna be great. It. Well, I'm, it's um, great that
1: you and Mark are collaborating,
0: and. Media. And I'll and then we also obviously have to plug everything that you're working on, but way later. But anyway, moving. So he was surrounded by screens and he said that he like often has two or three streams playing at once. And if something catches his air, he'll stop the other two and pull information from the one. I was fascinated by that because like I do something similar, like I'll have be reading a book, but also have like someone's podcast on and somehow go between the two and that affects my output for the day in some way i don't know what happens but then i'm also praying and meditating so nothing actually i don't know what the method is but in your case like right now are you pretty much only thinking about what I'm saying or do you have secondary third thoughts? Are you like thinking about something coming up later in the day as well?
1: Well, I think that's two different things because we've always got multiple narratives. I'm sure you've had an experience of speaking while you've got another thought going on, you know, for me as a musician, I've always got a song on the top of my head. Sometimes it's way up there, Uh, but taking in different things. I mean, I used to love Star Trek the next generation and data could do that where he had 50 different things going at the same time. I'm a I'm a unitasker, man. I, I like to do one thing. When I'm editing video, if there is a podcast on, I'm like, whoa, I am not able to listen to this. So I do find it difficult to drive without having a podcast because I go, oh, that's the time where I can uh, ingest some other ideas or thoughts or creativity or have a conversation. I, I do like um, if I walk the family dog around the the park, you know, I'll I'll put in a podcast. So but I, I can't just, I, I can't sit still and have a podcast go. I just can't do it. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll listen to a video or a podcast or something. Occasionally, if I'm like, ah, oh, just before I go to bed, I'll listen to that. I like content. Uh, I think it informs us. And I think there's so much out there that, that, that you, yeah, there's so much, I mean, we don't ever have enough time to take everything in, but I, I, I just kind of, I, I think it's about for me finding, well, what's my focus point right now? And I I would not be a very successful person with multiple things coming in my ears trying to separate them out. That wouldn't work for me.
0: So, so then, like, let's say after, let's say your day-to-day, are you, right now, are you driven by, like, feeling to feeling? Like, are you like, oh, this morning I woke up and I feel a little frazzled. I need to do breath work. I can't go on with the day. Or are you more... Do you manage to push through, and then the you make adjustments according to your feelings? I guess I'm looking for more micro scale, like how you run your avatar, and maybe I can I can copy some stuff, download yeah. some, well, some tips.
1: Um, I'm self employed, so the only way I create income is finding a project somebody wants uh, some video production for, or I create something that I can monetize off of. However, I do that, so I'll get up in the morning and I'll think. What can I do to help market my product or my service? Or what is a project somebody's already asked me to complete? And when I get that done, then I have capacity for more. So I don't like to just waste my time. I like to use my time as judiciously as possible. Um, I I sit in this editing room and I work on a project. I have a couple of dumbbells next to me and I have to do some curls so I can keep my body going because I get... I get really sedentary. Uh, So I've got a, I've got a, how do I feel? Well, this morning I didn't feel great. So I slept, slept in a little bit longer, put on something on YouTube and watched a video, a friend of mine that was on another video podcast. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then I was like, okay, I got to do some stuff. So I'm working on a project and that's what I did. And Now, when you and I were going to meet up and you're like, hey, I need a few more minutes. No problem. I was working on my thing. So I I don't know. It's just what needs to be done. I also have to have time for uh, recreation. And so I'll I'll go to a comedy show on the weekend or I'll go out with uh, a female friend of mine and enjoy her company or there has to be something that I do that brings me joy because if it's just all like you just work and you work and you're well what's the point because again enjoy the ride david you're here to enjoy the ride so I've got a I gotta mix in play I gotta mix in things that I like to do and so that's I don't know that's that's how I live my life.
0: no that's I think that was like I'm gonna ask an oddly specific question for people who are in the the field of like making video in any way like producing just full on because now there's if you define someone by one role usually it's like one person who can do 19 things and i feel weird saying that um but if like if people are looking at like you and like wait i want to also be self-employed and also be this relaxed and also think about meditation and souls and i guess but And they're like, wait, is there like a clear path? And can I pursue my desire to create exciting film and also not lose everything that I have? Like, is there, would, do you have any like advice for some? This is very specific.
1: Yeah, I don't have a clear pathway. Uh, Everybody's going to find their own way. Uh, You know, I've been doing gig work for a while. Uh, when I was in Washington state, I had a business where I installed underground sprinkler systems and I grew that business. And then at some point I was like, well, I want to work into music and scripting. And I don't, I don't even know what I want to do, but it has to do something with the creative process. And so I sold that business to an employee I moved to Phoenix and I started working on writing musicals and everything was church-based. it was like, you got to get saved or, you know, you're going to go to hell. So let's, teach people the good lessons and let's do it with comedy and let's do it with uh, aggressive rock music and that's so why I, I had a whole foray into that and as i deconstructed from that that journey of wanting to make things was still there and uh so that's kind of where that's come from is,
0: is no i i think that's one that's amazing because i i'll now pick your brain about idiot mystic the musical um because i've been I'm just saying I'm just saying I feel like yeah, be a good sure. musical um oh, idi- or <laughs> idiot mystic the podcast the musical uh uh-huh.
1: yeah yeah that's
0: even yeah. but but anyway um I like how there's almost the way you shared how much you've jumped from like thing to like just in a way that doesn't even it's like i don't i wasn't expecting you to say underground sprinkler systems yeah dude. i wasn't i wasn't expecting you to have been in the military
1: yeah
0: i so this life story that you're describing it if we wrote it down it would sound like we're writing like a funny person who's like just this person couldn't exist because you can't possibly leave so many boxes and enter and not like break the the bound the confines of one field and go into another and not have that that identity carry with you so like is there a reason that you're able to go from one thing to the other and seemingly not be like drastically held back to your previous identity Mm -hmm. or previous state
1: i I stripped all of the identity i asked my wife of 30 years if we could have an open relationship because i'd never seen another woman naked and you know, I, I stripped apart everything that we did and um, we ended up getting a divorce because that felt like that would be more authentic for her to have her journey and I could have my journey. Um, and and uh, Thanksgiving of September 21, I was planning on going to Cozumel and I was going to go create a documentary with these people that uh, help people that are wheelchair users go scuba diving. And uh, my son died that night. And that changed everything. And so I I still went on this journey and I didn't tell anybody about it. I ended up creating a film called adapting to dive and it won some awards and film festivals. And so, you know, I was like, okay, you can still take your pain and you can turn it into a positive message. You can help people on it. Um, and from that, it just went into, well, what else do I want to do? Uh, I want to study about the journey of the soul. And so I, created a documentary series about that i don't know i'm just making things up i don't have any plan i don't have any way to do it uh they reduced my expenses <laughs> and uh so uh, i i find some gig work and i i'm just living i, I mean I, the last thing i want to do is get to the end of my life and go i wish i would have
0: there's there's something like i guess we have in the last, like, probably seven episodes of Idiot Mystic after, like, a lot of, like, audience involvement, which I didn't even know there was an audience. I was like, who are these people? Why do they care so much? What's happening? But people were talking about authenticity a lot. And some people were of the opinion that no podcast can be authentic because it is a form of entertainment and it's not an authentic, a vehicle for authenticity. Let me see what um, they created. <laughs> <laughs> And I guess in this moment, I just, I feel like you were being real. And then because of my questions, if I'm not real, then I'll be being someone else. And I want you to know who I am. So when you said, so cat, you said it, you said that night my son died. I don't know how to process that. Like I read this earlier when I was reading about you and other things you had done in the film, but My son has been like my whole life since I was, nine. I found out he was, he was being born when I was 19 and I'm 32 now. So it's been everything. I've not done anything except be a father. And I, I didn't know how to bring that up, but I feel like for the audience, who's like wondering where you're speaking from or what level of like, how hard is this guy? What has he been through? Like someone's probably beating their chest, like, yeah, you're trying to tell me to meditate or introspect, but like, these guys haven't been through anything. So I guess, is that the most significant thing that has ever happened to you?
1: Um, that is probably the biggest life change. Yeah. Having, yeah. having your firstborn child die. Yeah that that changes uh, changes you
0: and i in terms of your current understanding of everything what is dying like what are when you say your son okay, died
1: so, these are great points so i i i'll give you the context so in this journey of my soul trying to figure out why am i here what's my purpose what's this whole thing about after i learned about Dr. Michael Newton's book, Journey of Souls. I sought my own session and I met with Hila Fergham, uh, pardon me, Hila Kedem Ferguson, and she's in Chandler, Arizona. And I was like, Hila, I need to have my own Life Between Lives hypnotherapy session. And in that session, she says, what do you see? I said, well, I'm on this platform. It looks like I've been, I'm in outer space. And I see this light, and it looks, I don't know why, but the number was seven miles away. I saw this white light, had a leather jacket on, and was riding a Harley Davidson, and it was surrounded by other white lights. And immediately it turned, it, it was going around to different other white lights, and then it turned around and looked at me. And I looked at him, and it was my son, who at the time uh, he was an active heroin user, he had, had been, he was a 10 year journey of being a heroin user. And he, uh, he did that because he enjoyed it. He explained to me many times. It just made him, he just loved the way it made him feel. And, you know, I, I'm going to continue the story. So I'm in this hypnotherapy session. I see my son and immediately he's right in front of me. And I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm going to different soul groups. and I'm trying to find someone that has enough courage to be my father in my next lifetime because I need to have a hard journey. And so... I said, oh, and he says, will you be my father in my next journey? And I'm like, oh, and I see 65% of my energy is going to be gone. I go, okay, well, 65% of my energy will be gone. It's going to be it's going to be heavy on me, but I can do it. And immediately to my right, I saw this angelic figure, and it was the face of my daughter. And she said, will you be my father in my next life? He and I have a karmic journey we need to go on. And I went, oh, and whew, My tank was on empty and I go, you're going to use all my energy. And so I said, yeah. And my wife suddenly came from a different dimensional universe. And she says, I will help you support these, these souls on this journey. And I'm like, okay, so again, I'm seeing this vivid, uh, it's like seeing this vivid daydream. And I can describe it, I'm talking out loud to the hypnotherapist, I'm telling her everything I see. And, and she goes, what happens next? And I go, oh, this little light comes, it's like a little firefly and it zips up and down and it circles around and it lands and, and it's my third child. And he says, will you be my father in my next lifetime? Because I'd like to come in in this lifetime with these other two. And I said, oh, I can't, I don't have enough energy. And he says, oh, I'm not going to take your energy. I'm going to give you energy. And I was like, oh. And to this day, he's, he's the, the son that gives me, you know, you're doing great, Dad. I love you so much. And he's always such a joy. So fast forward in time. And my eldest son, Tyler, uh, he had a drug overdose. Uh, and three months later, after I had that hypnotherapy session, he had a drug overdose. And I did CPR on him paramedics were called, they were able to revive him. And we went through the next few years, going up and down treatment facilities, whether or not he was going to make it and live with us and then being a user and you need some help and how can we help you and whatever. So finally, and uh, it was the summer of the fall of 2021. He went to a facility and he was clean, he was sober they let him volunteer there they gave him room aboard and, and then they got to the point where they said you're doing so well we're going to have you come on board and be a paid staff member and not i think it was that weekend somebody offered him heroin and he went right back into that lifestyle he overdosed two times came and saw us on thanksgiving night uh, we didn't know this until later and then thanksgiving night he overdosed himself and uh, his little brother came upstairs and mm-hmm. got us and I said, you know, oh no! And I went down there, and this time he didn't have any color in his face. He must have been there for a little bit. His body was still warm. I did CPR, did chest compressions. We got his heart to start back up, but uh, the blood had stopped to his brain. And so, uh, after a couple days of testing, all day Friday, all day Saturday, they said uh, he's brain dead. So, you know, even though the heart is functioning, it, there's there's no one there, and. Uh, my wife of 30 years, his mother, Gail, said, I can hear over my right shoulder. I keep hearing, Mom, I'm not in there. Mom, I'm not in there. It's okay. And so the four of the family, the four of us stood around, his sister, his brother, his mom, and myself. And we stood around his bed with tears, and we said, we release you. You're going to the light. And, uh, and there was this sense of just relief with all of us because his long journey of torture and torment was complete. And I saw in my mind's eye, like this daydream of him smiling in like a Buddha pose. And he was like smiling. And I felt like he was my teacher in another lifetime. And in this lifetime, I agreed to be his father. And and I do think that his consciousness probably probably got outside of the body and looked down and went, Oh fuck, I overdosed this time. This one's for real. And you know, I've heard so many near-death accounts that I do think that consciousness continues on and i do think he probably you know realized what had happened but uh he's on the other side of whatever I, this veil is and I, I don't live in a a sadness or a grief obviously i i can cry at any point in time but i I don't like I, I think he's still on the other side
0: so i have two questions was this this event all in arizona like this whole thing yes Okay, because I guess I've lost a few friends to this. And um, it's funny because given how well we get along and this conversation is going, I tried to imagine your son. And I thought of some of the friends I've had. And I was just like, it's a st- strange feeling that like the... Th- what you just described is more what life is like than the rest of our conversation
1: yeah yeah
0: and i guess that's why sometimes like even even the fact that we're i meant asked if this was in arizona and that similar fates have befallen like girls boys daughters sons I guess I have to ask you like if you were being like as real as possible with with how you feel about uh the beginning of addiction not the nature of addiction not about about things that like because obviously I feel like there's a lot of villainizing like the way you talked about your son A lot of people who have children who are dealing with that, or in my case, when I was dealing with opioid addiction, I had a falling out with my family, essentially, almost lost everything and everyone. I was 140 pounds. And the crazy thing is all of these were prescribed by doctors. And I was just like, what's going on, guys? Why am I so skinny? They're like, (laughs) wait, you you have an overlapping prescription. Sorry about that. We didn't see that. And I was like, oh, what's an overlapping prescription? They're like, it's been known to happen because CVS and Walgreens don't communicate that well. I'm like, oh, cool. Sure. But I guess, did you know, Did were you, what was, what does a life like that feel like while it's happening? Because I feel like it's hard to, to communicate to people who don't know what dealing with someone who's suffering like that, especially if you love them, and they love you. And there's this, like, it's just, it seems like it requires some kind of superlative adjectives or descriptors that are non, non prosaic, like, it's not a normal thing to deal with. It's not a natural human condition, seemingly, because the sub
1: you love someone so much, um, you know, when you see their physical body decline, you see their mental abilities decline. Um, it, It's it's hard. Uh, I did get to the point where I was like, OK, if you're going to be a heroin user. um, You know, I, I guess ultimately I want you to be safe and I don't want you to die in the back of an alley somewhere. And so, you know, I let him live in the house where we lived and we got along there were times where he would nod off and he was using then there would be times where we'd be watching something funny on television and we'd spend time together um yeah I'd, i just saw it as self-abusive so i used to say i feel like you're hitting your hand with a hammer and i'm like your hand is bleeding why don't you stop hitting your hand with the hammer and then he was like oh it doesn't hurt that much but then i'd see the the after sickness um yeah i'd, I'd It's really hard. Uh, I guess on the spiritual journey, the way I was able to contextualize it is I had this inner experience three years before that informed me that this was a journey he needed to go on for him. And my only role was to have enough courage to be his father. And And go ahead.
0: I I feel like that, I guess, and I guess this is a bit, where I feel scared asking, but do you, if someone and this isn't to hear the narrative like we're not we're not trying to hear the story in a weird way, but I do you know how because I guess in, you've mentioned your Christian leanings, your upbringing, your family life at that point. So how would something so dark, how did something so dark? find its way into your child's life which i literally i feel your love for your son so it's weird i feel it in my face i feel like happy actually it's weird
1: yeah yeah we went to all of his little league games uh i put him in little guy wrestling when he was 5 he ended up being an award winning wrestler uh he went to Deer Valley High School in Phoenix and you know he he was going to go to state but then he got uh an injury and he couldn't do it somewhere along the way his peer group got around him and they said hey you should smoke pot with us and he's like no my dad said drugs are bad you know he didn't say it like that but he's like no i'm not yeah. gonna do that because i always told him you know don't smoke drugs don't smoke pot drugs are bad and that was my christian narrative it was a fear-based narrative but uh so they beat him up until he decided to smoke pot and then he's like oh yeah i'm i'm hard not only will i do that i'll i'll do cocaine and then i'll do rap wow. and then i'll do heroin and he's like oh wait then the other guys were like, wait, we're smoking weed. What are you doing? He's like, yeah, I'm doing black tar heroin because I'm going to show you how tough I am. So that, That's what he did. And he, he just wanted to be the it's, toughest badass out there.
0: But I guess I feel I was going to say this earlier and I felt stupid saying it because. Like I people are like, oh, you look like you got out on the good side of addiction. But it's funny because that's the whole, like right now I'm laying in a bed doing the podcast because sitting on a chair hurts too much because my spine is messed up from my entire professional fight career, which was fueled by various pain relief. When you have, like the whole thing was about being a tough guy. And people don't realize what a little boy trying to be tough, where they can end up and what kind of strange twisted road they can end up and all that happened was uh, a young human tried to uh, go through the rite of passage that has been taken away from us so then like I guess how do you feel about in terms of other kids today do you feel like there is like a some kind of shift in toxic masculinity or do you think it's harder out there for kids right now
1: well i think that everybody has to have a little adversity to overcome and it kind of tempers us and makes us a little hardened and able to deal with life and um you know my kid had uh chores to do we we owned a horse boarding stable and we had to load hay and we had to feed animals and you know so he had things to do he also had a sense of uh, he had his own room, and he had accolades and trophies that he'd won. Um, he was supported. He had a strong family. He had a strong well. We were we were in that Christian narrative, and so there was a strong community of friends. But he still always found a way to get in trouble. No matter what we were doing, it would be like, "Where's Tyler? Where's he at?" And he'd be doing. He'd be throwing rocks at the local house next door to us, or doing something, or you know, chasing kids on his bicycle that were a few years younger than him. And he was, he was, uh, he was very mischievous. And I think he had a high level of creativity and maybe it just wasn't channeled correctly, but for whatever reason, uh, he, he always kind of wanted to try to get away with stuff. And he always looked for the easy way. Like one time after wrestling practice, we're like, Hey, let's roll the mats up. He goes, Oh, okay. Uh, we're like, Tyler, come over. And he goes, okay, yeah, I'm just gonna get my shoe laces here real quick. Next thing you know, the mats are rolled up. He's like, oh, hey, guys. Oh, sorry. I was doing my shoes, you know. So he's always trying to find the easy way out of stuff. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. that that's just I'm just convinced that there was something that he needed to have on that soul journey where he needed to go through something. I do think he could have overcome it. I do think there was another pathway he could have taken. And I do think that, you know, I, I wish he had a story to continue and say, hey, I tried this. I know what didn't work for me and now I'm going to make different choices in life. And, and he, it, this year would have been his 30th birthday.
0: Um, that's okay. Now I have, I have more questions. This is, this is fascinating to me because of just the, the amount of energy in Arizona. And when I say this, I'm not someone who believes in like geographical, like deposits of, like a non-physical substance that doesn't actually map to any system that would be against every system of everything being connected that I'm like, Oh, you have to go to Sedona to do ayahuasca or if you do it anywhere else, it's not going to hit, bro. You just can't, it won't hit. Like I, it would be silly to say, but it seems like since I've come to Arizona, I've noticed that there is like, um, the, I don't want to call it drug culture, but the pull of these synthetic substances here seems to be almost slightly sentient. Like it seems to like not go, it seems to just be like, that's why I asked you how it came about in your life. Because for me, like I grew up in Pakistan, but my super coddled every, I have never seen a drug except a cigarette. And like my dad's alcohol, that's it. Nothing crazy. And in Arizona, I, especially working at the Circle K, I started like picking up meth needle, like meth foil stuff, like needles. I started having to like give people Narcan injections who I'd find in the bathroom. I'd be like, and then slowly I realized that the public narrative, like the international narrative about the state of America is completely different than what I'm actually seeing in varying states like Illinois, uh, Missouri, here, uh, California. So it's not a widespread, but everywhere I've been, it seems like there's like a, it's in this, there's a state of disrepair. So do you see that? Or is that, do you think that's me, like my personal take on things?
1: Well, that's, you know, you're observing your area and your surroundings and you've seen it happen personally. That's your experience. I think there's this soul level that people come here to be a volunteer to help with the ascension process in this planet. And they get here and they're like, wow, this is fucking heavy, dense energy here. I mean, I, I like to jokingly say this planet is so heavy. We have this word for it. It's called gravity and you can't even get off this planet. You that like It holds you here. You can't leave. And I think people are just like... Phew. I got to find a way to to mitigate all of the stress, all of the fear. There's so much fear on this planet. I got to find a way to get out of that. And drugs make you feel good. And I think if you can get to that state of bliss, you're like, yeah, this is how it felt before I came here. I was in this wonderful etheric spirit body bliss. And I think that there's some calling for home that, you know, I I know for me, I, I like to drink red wine. And if I have two glasses of red wine, my fear goes away. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm fucking fearless, but I'm not drunk because I'm still in that space of clarity, but I'm like, yeah. And I'll, I'll like, Oh, I'm buying a website. Oh yeah. I'm going (laughs) to go, I'm going to make a new project. I'm going to go do something. And then, uh, you know, if, if I'm in a space of like overthinking, like, okay, now how would I do that? That wouldn't be good. Okay. There's, there's too many things that will like come up as an impedance. And so sometimes it helps when you put yourself in a space and it could be getting the endorphins high of being a runner or doing a long meditation but if you can somehow get yourself out of that fear construct you'll be able to make better decisions and i think a lot of people they just can't deal with it and the the only way i know how to cope with this is to just numb out and and just you know quit playing the game and And that's what the real spiritual pandemic is
0: from an like just from an art perspective only or from a creation perspective, have you ever since you've obviously been making things for a while across like con, regardless of context, have you ever successfully completed those projects that you overthought and weren't relaxed for or do those things just never even get completed?
1: Well, I mean, anything, if you're going to sit down and write a script uh, it, it's, you got to write it. You got to work it. You got to you got to just sit there and put the time in. So, yeah, I, I've, I've done it that way. But I'm telling you what, if you if you have a moment of inspiration and you're able to take, as we talked before, that channeling from whatever that muse is and that whatever dimension, if you can capture that, uh, that's where you, that's where you're you're allowing creativity to come through you. And, and that's a magical space. I've written music in that realm. Uh, i've come up with a, a great idea for a screenplay in that realm and um, you know i i think i think creativity is why we're here and i think this whole this whole universe is a giant experiment of what can we create if we can all do it together and somehow there's adversarial things that are trying to keep us from being together whatever it is i i don't know if it's ourselves i don't know if it's a system we put in place um
0: and and there's there's something that's happening with Idiot Mystic and I'll be like, I'm, I was denying it in the beginning. Uh, we had a discord channel and people were talking on there and I was, I did it not half heartedly, but I did it with the expectation that something I, I'm building would not be life changing because I'm not trying to change anyone's life. I was just trying to capture some people's stories,
1: capture but then.
0: yes but slowly from them connecting and talking we've some things happen and our brains and our lives have started to overlap in a way that's like it was get it was problematic to not discuss because otherwise it would just seem like we're all copying each other and becoming some type of hive mind of people so i guess if you if this was like the we're leaving like a little time capsule And people have somehow, whether it's coincidence or destiny, they've listened to you talk for like a few hours and, and you, and I just, I guess you as a human, what do you hope that the people who are listening and just like your voice is going in their head and it's like a little bit ASMR-y, not too, maybe they're cooking, what do you, why are you talking to them? Because there, even though you're talking to me, actually, this is somehow between you and them. And I guess, what do you want them to know?
1: It's okay to be in the unknown. So many times we are given the narrative that you got to know it. You got to know the right way. You have to have the right financial planner. You have the right, have the right religion. You got to know everything about politics because you better vote. You better do this. You got to, you got to, you got to. It's okay not to know what to do. It's okay to be in the dark place and to have a flashlight. And when that flashlight is your intuition, when that's on, you can see whichever way you're pointing that flashlight. And sometimes it feels like the flashlight. You can't find the switch to turn it on. It's okay to be in the unknown. Just keep going forward. There's no way to fuck it up. That's the one thing I've learned about this soul journey is there's, there's no way to fuck it up. No matter what you do, it's going to inform you one way or the other. Now there's certainly advantages to creating comfort in your life if you choose to make a positive decision that helps yourself helps your family helps other people i think that's going to have a ripple effect of love through the universe um so i I choose to focus on things that are a little bit more light and love rather than trying to you know hurt other people at all costs Um, but i i think i think if we just stay curious and we stay creative you know, there is that beautiful creativity with the the stay at home parent that wants to cook for their family. And they just made a beautiful meal. And it was so fun and creative. And then they get the joy of having their family go, wow, thank you for this meal. They didn't have to have the movie or the book or the podcast and just stay in that creative space and stay in the it's okay not to know what's next. Because if you knew what was next, it, it, it wouldn't be a game. It wouldn't you know, if, if I knew the end of the game, I know 100% our team is going to win because I've already seen it, but I still got to, sh- you know, shoot this goal or whatever the thing is, it wouldn't be as much fun as if like, oh, what's going to happen next? Will he make the field goal? Is it going to go in? And I think the unknown is where the joy is.
0: And and if someone said to you, like, the unknown is, is terrifying me, like literally right now literally. you saying this. It makes me want to jump out. Like someone says that you are actually crazy and you're someone who like, you probably like bungee jumping and skydiving. What would you tell this person on how to approach the unknown? Because like, again, like where would they come at it from?
1: I feel like a lot of struggle that we have mentally. I know I struggle mentally with depression because I don't know. I don't have certainty. Am I going to be able to pay my bills? Am I going to be able to go on this adventure, this trip, or do this thing or create something? Is anybody going to care about anything I ever make? Am I going to make it? Am I ever going to have a retirement account? I'm 54 years old. I, I what, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Is it ever going to work out? So I have to encourage myself by saying, you know what? It's okay not to know because that's the reason I came here. If there's one thing I, I, I've i learned about is the soul journey, that's the reason we come here. It's only for a soul journey. And the more certainty I try to get, the more I go back into that religious mindset that if I do this, then the recipe says it'll turn out perfect for me. And that's not joyful. That's just being a robot. And you know, I don't want to live like that.
0: No, I, I feel like I needed to... I am so happy that you you exist. Firstly, very hyped. I'm I'm super hyped. So my other question is like I guess while capturing your in this the chronicle of David Marsh, after all the stuff that's happened and where you're at now, it would be it would be easy to kind of like have have fun and but simple fun, but you seem to be having very complicated fun that serves others. Also, it's, uh, it's different. So I guess, do you feel like this is something that's going to intensify? Like if someone was catching you at this point in your journey, are you just picking up steam right now? Are you going to like go at this pace kind of for a bit?
1: Uh, Because it seems like it's something. Somebody just asked me, what's next for you? What are you doing next? I'm like, I don't know. I did this ama- amazing project. 23 was a great year, 22 and 23. I don't know what's on for 24. I've got some ideas. I don't know how I'm going to fund it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I have no idea. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm terrified all the time.
0: <laughs> the, um. And speaking of the... Well, I don't know when that project was made, the... Let's talk about the documentary on Amazon Prime because that's the, that's, let's just talk about your stuff that's out right now if people yeah, so want to I, see it.
1: You you talk about uh, a wild adventure. I just had this idea of creating some sort of a way to capture people having real life hypnotherapy sessions. And I did the, the training, the Dolores Cannon Quantum Healing Hypnosis Technique. It's called QHHT. I did the training and I was like, oh, I'm interested in this, but I don't really want to be, That's I don't want to just be a facilitator. I want to like capture stories and um, share this work with people because uh, the hypnotherapy had informed me so much in my own personal life. And I do believe that the answers are within and it's a way to get the answers out. So I'm like, well, how can I do this? So uh, I made some phone calls and some emails and connected with some people. The Michael Newton group, Uh, I connected with them and the Dolores Cannon group, I connected with them. And just kind of out of the blue, hey, uh, I'd like to make a project. And so we had some Zoom calls and conversations. So I set up some cameras and I found the very first person was Dr. Erica Middlemiss in Scottsdale. And I was like, hey, uh, I have this idea. She goes, yeah, I have a client you can come and film with. Her name is Becky. I was like, great. So I set up a bunch of cameras. I interviewed Becky. I said, why do you wanna have a session? She said, oh, I have questions in life. And I interviewed Erica, tell us what a session is like. So I thought I'll do a client, I'll do the practitioner, I'll show the interview that they do, and then I'll show the session that they have and then do a two week follow-up. So I was like, that, that way it'll be kind of a formula. And I, the first one was really good. She actually had a physical healing in her knee. Uh, she went to this place, she saw some things about her intuition lighting up. It was like a crown being placed on her head and she could go into the dark space and it would light up. And um, that was her intuition. I thought that was beautiful. And then I completed that one and it was really interesting. And I thought this was a fun idea. I went to San Francisco and worked with the lady that is uh, Diana Paik is the executive director of the Newton Institute. And she had a client that was 76 years old. And I'm like, whoa. And at 76 year old, this lady was like, what's my purpose? Why am I here? And that blew me away because I was like, okay, so these questions never go away with age. If they're not resolved, they don't go away. And so she saw that part where she says, I don't have to do anything. I can just be. And she's in that deep meditative state. And that's what come up for her. And I'm like, wow, this is so fun. And as I began to connect the dots, one went to the next to the next. Uh, this lady messaged me on Facebook and she says, hey, uh, I liked your stuff. Uh, here's a friend request. And i i looked at her and she was a newton practitioner and a dolores cannon practitioner her name is trina sharon she lives in ireland she said uh, i said hey i'd like to have a conversation with you so we had a zoom session we got to meet each other she said you should come over here to europe and do sessions over here so it's a worldwide project i was like i i don't i've never been to europe i'm terrified to go to europe i don't i probably won't like the food i don't understand how the money works i don't know how i would get around She says, you get a ticket, you come over, you have a start date when you start, and then you can take this little airline that goes from country to country. It's pretty inexpensive. These flights are under $100 each. And she said, I'll help you set it up. So we started emailing and we set up 10 different places around for me to go through Europe over five weeks. And I, I was terrified. I just went there, and one person was cool. They let me stay on their family couch. Another person let me stay in an extra room. There was just places where I got to stay there. It was, uh, I, I didn't have to pay for my own lodging. Um, A lot of times they fed me, and I just got to go document this and create this, and I would. I would uh sit in the back seat of somebody's car as they're driving through a city and I just hold my iPhone up and I'd be like, "Okay, great. I'm capturing shots of the town." And then we'd go over to some place out in the country and I'd put my drone up in the air and go capture aerial footage.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Some of that is
1: filmed on iPhone? Yeah. Yeah, when you see all those It's just my I've iPhone.
0: seen I've seen right a decent amount so far. So I'm crazy.
1: Oh yeah, so I I just then I'd interview people, tell me who you are, and follow them around. Let's make up some B roll, and then they'd have these sessions, and then I'd I'd have like a three hour session. I'm like, okay, I got to put this into a thirty minute show so people can watch it. So I'd go back and edit, it and it would take me like a hundred hours to uh, seventy five to eighty hours, maybe I don't know, seventy to eighty hours to edit a thirty minute episode.
0: I, I I have to ask from the. Like, from the perspective of the sheer amount of channeling and regression and hypnotherapy content out there, yours is presented in a way that like firstly i you saying i i'm this is obviously it sounds like praise, but I feel like no one should present channeling and these similar things like regression therapy or hypnotherapy with like weird new age pageantry like imagery that is associated with ancient cultures or other cultures that have nothing to do with this. And they just pop up and it's like fades out. Suddenly there's a pyramid. It suddenly inverts AI generated archons come in from out. Like, so I guess I really appreciated that about it, that I was, I felt like you were taking the subject seriously. And for, I didn't feel like if I, referred sends that to someone which i already have i didn't feel like i was sending them something silly like someone channeling Jimi hendrix for a 600 an hour fee or something like that yeah which is a thing that is a thing so i really appreciate I'm that
1: sure there's lots of stuff out there yeah um
0: but wh- how did you i guess what kept you from going in that direction was there any Pull to bring in any kind of new age or any kind of branding to it that would keep it, make it less almost clinical.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to keep it as a uh, real to real people, you know, how, how authentic can we can use that word again? How authentic can we be with this? Because I did first have my own experience and then I did the training to become a practitioner and I saw how it affected other people. All I did was, you know, stick to the script that Dolores created and I'm like, my biggest thing was tell me more. And then they would have these experience and I go, what do you think that means? And they would tell me what they thought it meant. And I, I, and then for myself, having my own sessions, seeing and having these realizations, I'm like, this is a real modality. This can really help people. And so in my uh, desire to help people and you know, help them be saved from going to their own hell, <laughs> I thought, let's let's make a show about a modality that can help people. And, you know, I, I don't know anything about UFOs and I don't know anything about politics and I don't know anything about the medical industrial complex and viruses that are trying to kill. Them. I, that's not my expertise. My expertise is like, well, how can I help people have a real experience within their own selves? And so that's why I chose to create something that inspires people through hypnotherapy.
0: And and did you did you encounter like the i guess i don't even feel bad saying their name but i'm sure you're aware of gaia the network and um they have some people i know have content on there so you know who you are i'm not saying anything bad about your stuff i'm just saying that sometimes in this uh field there's information that is presented next to fabrication And it's presented almost equally on purpose to create like some kind of maybe a larger content library, maybe to create more variation and stimuli. I'm not sure what the reason is, but like you'll often see like someone who is like a known scam artist and bad business actor who's channeling things for people. And then next to it is a very deep scientific study about this the same subject or like a more like uh, lucid look at it so i guess is there a reason again that while you're the subject you're talking about is pretty woo you seem to not be bringing a single ounce of it with like any of it how are you keeping that out of it
1: yeah i don't even like the word hypnosis i hate that word because that means i'm doing something to you uh, all the person does is the facilitator basically just gets you to relax turn your thinking mind with your to-do list and your checklist of what needs to be just just put it down just relax and then get into that state it's it's very very similar to meditation and then just you'll start to see images come up and there's a specific way you do the induction and you know there's a scripting with it but you'll start to see images come up. Well, what, what do you see? That, what, why are they, I just feel like I'm making it up. Well, good. Keep making it up. What do you see? Why is it there? And it always informs us. <laughs> There's always a reason we see the things that come up.
0: I just, Okay. I'm so if people wanted to find this thing, how would they find it?
1: So the show I did is called journeys into the soul and you can Google search it and find it. It's on Amazon. Uh, when I released it, uh, people were like, Hey, we can't find it on Amazon. I'm like, what it's on Amazon. They're like, no, we're in Canada. We're in Germany. We're in, uh, Croatia, you know, cause I'd gone to all these different countries and I was like, Oh no. So then we had to put it on our website journeys into the and we had to host it on Vimeo. So it's the video on demand there. So at, at least that way people in other countries can watch it. So it's a little bit more clunky because you have to go and log in and have a Vimeo account. But at least it was a way for people to see it.
0: Hey, the the distribution is coming. We know it's gonna everyone's gonna see this thing. Not because I feel like everyone who needs to see it, it will see it because I, I again I sound a little crazy and calling it hypnotherapy makes me feel weird too, because I feel irresponsible using that word because well, i don't I like want the
1: word hypnotherapy rather than hypnosis i don't know what I, it is, but,
0: but yeah. i guess the hypno part freaks yeah. other people out whenever i Definitely. say it yeah. like at all like today during my meditation class i had to i basically like do a reverse teaching like i say what I've been taught to do and I'm not going to do it. So usually like a lot of like insight meditation teachers, they basically you actually like are doing like a group hypnosis in the beginning and you kind of get everyone to just like as you, You're basically just relaxing. And then at the end of the meditation, they all feel better and they keep paying their membership. So this is like <laughs> yeah. the, the, this is <laughs> the standard
1: method. Well, I mean, regression is being, therapy is another term you can say with the shows about regression therapy. What does that mean? Yes. People that have experiences, or they experience other lifetimes. What does that mean? Why don't you just try it yourself and see? What so, off, you know,
0: and and if people were, if someone were to ask you right now, are you telling us the truth about this stuff? Do you is it is this the truth, David, oh or gosh, are you I just had, making it all up?
1: I had this lady come in, and she. she she actually did a session with me. I'm telling the truth. She did a session with me and she said, uh, I'm on this planet. And she describes this red planet with dirt. And uh, she, she said, I'm t- I go, well, what do you do on this planet? She says, uh, I teach my children. She said, the name of the planet is Etom, E-T-O-M. She spells it. I'm like, okay. And she said, I teach the children our language. It's, I think she said Naruku is her language. And I go, do you have an example uh, of what you do when you teach them? She says, I teach them how to greet each other in our native tongue. Well, what? How does that sound? She says, Nasaim. That's how they greet each other. I go, oh, well, that's beautiful. So you say Nasim? She says, No, Nasaim. And I was like, wow, I got corrected. So after we were done, I go, hey, what was up with that? And she says, I don't know, but you didn't say it right. And I said, well, what do you? What did you take? She said, well, in this lifetime. I've been thinking about starting a business where I teach people how to do certain things and I, I wanted to know if I should teach them. And I saw in that lifetime that I've been a teacher and I should teach people. So that was the message she needed to see. Was it real? Did she really live on a planet named Atom? Who knows? But the message she received was real and that's what I believe.
0: I love these stories. I, f- I feel like, I honestly, I... I feel like we need to do like seven of these because I want to like get into I kind of I'm not saying I would ask you or put the pressure on you to ever like record a channeling or something like that, but more so like just the way your brain works. I feel like lately I've been talking to people about how their brain works while we're recording and it gets a little weird because why am I like talking about this? But then later... Other people pop up and they're like, hey, my brain works like that, too. I didn't know that. That's crazy. I'm just like, David, like, is like, and I just I wasn't expecting this much variance in you. And that's like, obviously, my own pre assumption based on all the content that I saw. But like, nothing still makes sense. And I feel like you could tell me your whole life story. And I'd ask, like, so what was third grade like? Like, what was, what was third grade really like? So I guess I'm really glad you shared all of this with us. And I guess usually how we end this is asking the person what they're going to do the rest of the day or right after they hang up.
1: Well, right after we hang up, there's a college national championship football game. I'm going to eat some pizza, drink some beer and watch football.
0: <laughs> yes. Thank you for saying I personally like I don't watch football, but I this is one of the things that has been like I it's almost like our trademark on idiot mystic. Like we have people who pretend to be they They are maybe they are Christ. Maybe they were Christ. Maybe they're Christ that I don't know. But we have other people who are like they're talking about a multi-dimensional life. But then the next second I'm discussing our ingrown hairs and it's fine. And I feel like this is just exactly that. You can be talking about your own soul and then eat a piece of bread with cheese on it. And it doesn't diminish your multidimensionality in any way. And I guess, should we, am I supposed to, wait, does what is this is this an important football game so people can know how little I know about
1: Well it's this is a sports ball championship of the world so it's definitely important <laughs> Sports ball buddy sports ball
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel None like it that matters. I don't it
1: just it just matters that we do it because it's fun for entertainment isn't that the way it's everything good. is it doesn't really matter but it does so just Go with it. Enjoy the ride. That's what I plan on doing.
0: <laughs> so so in enjoying the ride, let's say after the football and the relaxing, then, then do you have like, how would you wrap up your night? Would you be like focused on what your end time is? Or do you have like a flowing end time where you're like, it could be 10, 11, 12, then I can...
1: Well, let me give you an example. So Friday of last week, I went out, had a happy hour with some friends. I came back, fell asleep at 6 p.m., slept till 10.30 p.m., got up worked till 3.30 a.m., went back to sleep and slept till 7.30 a.m. So as a self-employed person, you get to create your own schedule.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like this is even better because some of the self-employed people find themselves in the torment of their own schedule. Mm-hmm. And you're you're in bliss and i'm I'm happy to hear that like I feel i I'm really excited. I don't even know what I'm gonna do now. I'm yeah. just hyped
1: yeah
0: i'm I'm probably gonna finish watching what was your documentary called again on Amazon Prime
1: Journeys into the soul
0: Journeys into the soul just saying it again tackle.
1: soul soul, soul. So,
0: <laughs> I just I found need a pyramid I, that
1: spins around right there. that'd be great
0: any that i mean that would be pre- i saw there's i don't know if you've seen the y files have you seen that huh. it's oh, like I it's, a, have. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah just, seen, yeah that, that guy's really fun i love He's him good, but yeah. I, the talking goldfish is amazing goldfish. Yeah. i just i'm just like we need we need a talking pyramid or something <laughs> I, I Uh <laughs> um, is there i feel like this is this was there's great no
1: end of this conversation so until next time Yes. Thank you so much,
0: my friend. Thank you, bro. Sorry for I don't know how to end these ever. I'm just going to press stop recording.
1: Oh, wait. How do people find you on social media? Oh, dude. Social media is is my challenge in life. I've got a journeys into this whole uh, page on uh, Instagram, but um, it's not my joy space. So if if you find me on social media, good luck. What? Okay, better
0: question. What if someone's soul and story feels like they need to connect with you? What would be the safest, easiest way to connect with you?
1: The, The website, there's a contact form, you can reach out. Some people want to do sessions on Zoom and I can help them do that. Um, some people like to do them in person. Some people want me to help them create some video content. I can help people do that. So that's how I do it, man. I just make the world go around.
0: I'm I'm so hyped. I feel like we're gonna make crazy things together. We I'm trying. I'm trying not to get too excited. But thank you so much. <laughs> love I'm it. gonna. Did I don't even know? Did I press stop recording? No. I didn't. That's even. I, I I even love.
1: Better. it.
0: better. Okay. <laughs>